0: Can we turn in our Bibles again to the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 41, for our scripture reading at this stage? Isaiah 41. We'll read from verse 1 of the chapter. Prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 41, and beginning our reading at the first verse of the chapter. Keep silence before me, islands, And let the people renew their strength, let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment, who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings. He gave them as the dust to his sword, and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet, who hath wrought and done it, and calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near, and came. They helped every one his neighbour, and every one said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smootheth with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abram, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away, fear thou not, for I am with thee; be not dismayed, for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded, they shall be as nothing, and they that uh, and they that strive with thee shall perish, thou shalt seek them. And shalt not find them, even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a sharp, new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Thou shalt tra- thresh the mountains and beat them small and shall make the hills as chaff. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing again to the reign of his precious word. Let's just unite in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank thee for the Word of God to our hearts afresh today, we thank thee for the speaking voice of God, and we thank thee that thou hast said, I will be with thee. Fear not, I will be with thee. And we thank thee for the many wonderful promises that we have in this portion of Scripture, and we pray that we might lay hold upon the promises, and Lord, that thou hast indeed take us by the right hand. Be with us now, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Look at verse um, 13 there, in the midst of all the wonderful promises here. It says, for I, the Lord, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. There are many mentions of the hand of God in the Scriptures Thirty-nine times in the Bible, it speaks about that phrase, "the hand of God." There are uh, thirty-six of them in the Old Testament, and three in the New Testament. And then there's also the phrase, the, um, "the the hand of the Lord." Thirty-nine times, but there's also the phrase, "the hand of God," and it is six times, uh, sixteen times in the Bible. Seven times in the Old Testament, and nine times in the New Testament. And of course, there is great symbolism in the hand of God. And particularly, there is a wonderful picture that is given to us here of the Lord holding our hand, walking hand in hand with the Lord. Now, we think of the many times when we walk hand in hand, you think of the bride and the groom, and in the wedding ceremony, they will uh, take each other by the right hand, when they are pronounced man and wife. Or the father of the bride is described as giving his daughter's hand in marriage. Or we think of the parent, the mother or father, taking the little child by the hand, and that's a symbol of security or protection. Or sometimes it's leading in the right direction. You want the child to go in the same direction that you're going. And so you lead the child by the hand. And all of those thoughts come into play when we think of the Lord here as he says, I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. And we think of the many times in the Bible where it speaks of the Lord holding us by the hand. In Hebrews 8, verses 8 and 9, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. And isn't that a wonderful expression? How God in the past had taken them by the hand. He had led them out of the bondage of Egypt. And we think of how always when God leads us by the hand, He leads us into good. And you think of how the firstborn there in the land of Egypt as the death angel passed by, that they were saved. And then God brought his people out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt and then led them through the wilderness and then brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey. And God was always leading them. And there were many struggles through the wilderness. And there are many times that the people murmured, And they were wondering what was happening and where God was bringing them to. And why he was taking such a long time bringing them through the wilderness. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, they could see that God had brought them into the blessing of of the, the promised land. And it wasn't just a promise for the past. God had led them by his right hand. But now, he says in this text, I will hold thy right hand. So it's not a promise just for the past, but it's a promise for the now, and it's a promise for the future. And isn't it a wonderful thing that God would lead his people by the right hand? And we need to be led day by day. We need to be brought into the right way. We need to be led in the right direction. And we need the security of God's hand. We need the help here, he says, I will help thee. As he holds us by his hand. And surely as we go forward into 2023 and in the years ahead and in the days that God gives us. We need to know that we are being led by the hand of God. How do we know that we're being led by the hand of God? Well I think that there are a few indications that are given to us in the scriptures and in this portion of Scripture as to what it must mean to be led by the hand of God. So what we want to do today is we want to lift our hands and place our hands in the mighty hands of our God that he might lead us down the pathway of this incoming year. But I just want us just to think for a few minutes of the indications that we have of being led by the hand of God. And the first thing then that's going to indicate that we're being led by the hand of God is that we have communion with God. If you are um, walking hand in hand with somebody, it usually will mean that you have some relationship with them or that you have uh, some closeness with the person. There are times maybe where uh, maybe you take somebody by the hand to steady them, maybe somebody that's not steady on their feet, or somebody that's ill, and maybe you'll take them by the hand to steady them, or to help them, or maybe a little child that's come across your way, and you'll take them by the hand to bring them uh, into safety, or bring them to their parents, or whatever it is. But even when you do that, there, you take the person by the hand, you're indicating your care for them. You're indicating that you have a concern for them or that you have a willingness to help them. So in some degree and measure, there's always that thought of communion that we have. And here the Lord says, for I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand. And it's clearly an indication of communi- uh, communion with God. There's a relationship between me and the Lord. It speaks of I, the Lord, thy God, and thee. He says, I am thy God. And there again, you have the relationship. He is our God. He's my God. And there is that covenant relationship that God had with his people here. And now we have come under that covenant relationship. The relationship is extended from Israel to his people, to his church. And we can say that we have a relationship. I hope that you can say that you have that relationship. You can say that he is my God. You can say that I have that communion with him day by day. But we not only think about the saving relationship that we have, but we realize that it should grow. And the more we walk with God, and the more we go on in our experience, so our walk with God and our communion with God should grow and deepen and it should flourish. And I hope that as we've entered into the year 2023, that our communion with God has been close and it's getting closer and that we have taken time to be with God and that as we have walked along the few days of this year that have gone into eternity, that we have felt our uh, uh, our The sense of the presence of God with us, and that there has been that communion. But in order to have communion, there are a number of things that need to be true. First of all, we need to be agreed. You're not going to have communion with someone unless you uh, agree with them. It says in Amos 3 in verse 3, it says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? And you know, we can ignore our relationship with God by rebelling against him, by in some form of disagreement. If you have a disagreement with your friend or maybe a family member, you will uh, find that your communion with them will be marred. You will not want to walk with them or you'll not want to take time with them as you did if there's some disagreement that has entered in. Now, God is... um, not going to mar the fellowship with us. But you and I know that we can mar the fellowship with him. And one of the indications of a marred fellowship is a break in communion. One of the first things to go will be the place of prayer. One of the first things to go will be our time when we spend time with God. And when we get down and when we uh, take out his word and we want God to speak with us, There will be a marring in the fellowship because there is a a disagreement, maybe a spirit of rebellion or a spirit of carelessness. And slowly but surely, our hand, as it were, we're taking our hand out of the hand of the mighty God of heaven. The Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And the old Puritans used to speak about keeping short accounts with God. Because we need to be agreed. If we're going to ha- walk hand in hand, there needs to be an agreement between us. Not only does there need to be an agreement, but there needs to be an appointment or an arrangement. Now, when young people are going out together, they will make an appointment. We, we wouldn't put it like that. We, they will make a date, is what we would say. They make a date, but they make an arrangement, they make an appointment to meet together so that they can spend time together. And uh, we think of that word there in Amos uh, 3, verse 3, can two walk together except they be agreed. And where it says except they be agreed, uh, the Hebrew is except they make an appointment. Um, the, 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 the two things, the agreement and the appointment, Are in the same Hebrew word. And you know, if we don't make the practice of making an appointment with God, our uh, communion is going to be marred. We will soon get out of the way of it. One of the greatest um, hindrances to a, a quiet time that we should have with our God is not setting a regular time when we can meet with God, a time in the day, a time... Uh, in our uh, schedule when we can get alone with God. Because you'll know well that unless we make an appointment, unless we set aside the time, other things will enter in. Other things will take our attention, It may be even trivial things. But unless we consciously set aside the time to go out, and you'll know it with if you're going out and walks with somebody, and um, you have to make the appointment, you have to take the time. I'll meet you at such and such a time. And it's the same with our God. If we're going to take his hand, and if he's going to lead us down through the uh, courts of this year, then we need to set aside the time to meet with him. But not only do we need to be agreed, and we need to make an appointment, but then we need to be Determined to abide. We need to spend the time with God. You think of how it says in Psalm 91 and verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, to walk with God is going to take time. Now, it's not a matter of 10 minutes. Now, 10 minutes is better than nothing. If we uh, have no other time, then it's better that we te- spend this 10 minutes. But the psalmist says that he dwells, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. And that obviously indicates or infers that he's taking time. He is, uh, it's not just a matter of a few minutes, but he's going to dwell in the presence of the Lord. And if we feel that closeness, and if there is that love that there ought to be, then we will take time to be with God. And then something else, if we're going to have communion, and that is that we need to be abreast. In other words, if you're walking hand in hand with somebody, and somebody is pulling ahead or walking in front of you or lagging behind you, it's not easy to talk to somebody. It's definitely not easy to to take the hand of somebody who's about two feet behind you, or two feet in front of you. You've got to walk hand in hand uh, down through the courts of this year. And so often it is where we do either one of the two things. We uh, try to lag behind God. We um, are dragging our feet. We're we're not wanting to do what God wants us to do or go the way that God wants us to to go. So we drag our feet at times. And there's that little bit of rebellion. Or at other times, we might feel that God is not going hard enough. Or he's not um, doing the things that we want to do. And so we try to forge ahead. And we try to go in our own strength. But you can't do any of those two things. You've got to walk with God at his pace. You've got to go along at the same pace as God is going And sometimes we may find and feel as if God is not going as fast as we would want him to go. But we've just got to take the hand of God and go at his pace. Or there may be times when we're lagging behind. And there may be times when other things cause us to drag our feet. But if we're going to walk hand in hand with God, then we've got to walk abreast with God. We've got to go at his pace, go his way, go his direction, He, it says, takes us by the right hand. He holds us by the right hand. So it is God that is dictating the peace here. And that's the only way to blessing. And that's the only way into pastures, green pastures, that we were singing about there in the Psalm 23. So one of the things that we're going to have if we're going to walk with God's hand in our hand or Our hand and God's hand, more uh, particularly, is that we're going to have communion. But then the other thing that is indicated by walking hand-in-hand with God or being led by the hand of God is commitment. It indicates commitment to God. When two people take each other by the right hand or walk hand-in-hand, then it's a sign of commitment. When the two uh, the the bride the bridegroom take each other by the right hand, it is a sign of commitment. It's, it's a sort of a um a sign of a claim um for want of a better term. and i I think that it's best illustrated maybe by the boyfriend and girlfriend, and when the boy takes the girl by the right by her hand the first time. For want of a better term, and I think you'll know what I mean when I say this, he is, as it were, making a claim. He's, he's saying, you're mine, as it were. And, she, and when she takes his hand, she is saying, you're mine. Um, and I don't overstate it, but I think you know what I'm getting at when I say that. There is relationship. They're identifying with one another. They're saying, um, we have a relationship to some degree, and measure, and certainly it is in a far greater degree when the mighty God of heaven takes us by the right hand, he is saying, "You're mine, and what a wonderful condescension uh, con- it is for God to do that, and if God does not take us by the right hand, uh, then our soul is in peril. We need to have our hand in the hand of God, so there is this sense of a claim. He's saying, you're mine. And then there's the sense of confirmation. It is the uh, sort of confirmation of the relationship, certainly in the marriage ceremony, when the two take each other by the right hand, and when they are saying, um, you are mine, in the marriage relationship, there is that sense of confirmation that's the uh, meeting or part of the meeting of taking each other by the right hand. And you think of, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 24, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? And it says then, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up a soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully. So there's a sense that when we take When the Lord takes our hand, we have to have clean hands. And there is that sense of confirmation then that he takes our hand, that we have a clean hand. We have a clean hand. It's been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. And he is able to take our hand because our hand has been cleansed by Christ. And we thank God for that confirmation When we feel that the Lord is leading us, it's a confirmation that he has taken our hand and that we are his and our hands are clean in his sight. It's also a sign of consecration. When again, in the marriage ceremony, when two people grip each other by the hand, there is the sense of dependency one upon another. I am putting my dependency in you, And you're putting your dependency in me. Now, when God holds us by the right hand, there's nothing of the sense that God is dependent upon us. Our dependency is upon God. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have been bought with a price And our consecration is to him because he has the mighty hands that are able to help us and to bring us through. But there's something else about gripping each other, particularly in the marriage ceremony, when the bride and groom take each other by the right hand, and that is control. Now, not control. Well, what what it means is, when, they take, when you take each other by the right hand, the, the, right, the hand is what we do our actions with. A hand is what we work with. Ha- it is said that the um, thoughts of the mind are put into action by the hands. So the hands are what we labor with, the hands are what we do things with. So when in the marriage ceremony, the bride and groom take each other by the right hand, What they're saying is, we worked together. We worked together. Um, My right hand is yours, and your right hand is mine, and now we work together. And isn't that what we do? Now, uh, it's not the same with God, because our works are certainly nothing compared to the mighty works of God. But we think of how God has said, I'm holding you by my right hand. We work together. The Bible says, ye are laborers together with Christ. We work with God. We are his fellow laborers, he has actually said in the word of God. And so there's that sense in which when God takes us by the right hand, we are working together. My, what a wonderful thing. And he said, I will help thee. My, we um, are very short of um, strength and power. Our works are nothing. But he has said, I will help thee along the pathway of life. So we have communion with God. And then we have commitment to the, the Lord. But then the third thing that I want you to see in God holding our right hand is that we have confidence in the Lord. Now, we have confidence in a number of ways. He says here, I will hold thy right hand. And we have confidence in the sense that God has promised here that he will hold our right hand. We have confidence in that. And the Lord says, I will hold thy right hand. And we can say, yes, Lord, you do. You do hold our right hand in the midst of the difficulties of life, in the midst of the dark uh, places, When we pass to the valley of the shadow of death, you do hold our right hand. What a wonderful comfort that is to our hearts as we go on. That God, in the midst of every uh, part of life, is holding our right hand. And I want you to see that God holds her hand along the path of life. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not under thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now, we felt about the uh, parent directing the child along the path of um, life, or along whatever course it is, to keep it out of danger, and so on. And you know, you think of Newton's third law, that to every action there's a, uh, an equal um, and opposite reaction. And so it is in life. And we the the way that we live will produce a, re, a result, so we need to be careful about the way that we live and the the, the places that we go. But we think of how God wants to direct our path. It says in Psalm twenty three and three, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And what God wants to do is to bring us in paths of righteousness or right paths. And He has chosen the paths. They're clearly marked out for us. They are the paths of righteousness. And the paths of righteousness will not include cheating, and they will not include slander. They will not include the sins of this life. He will lead us along pure pasture, into the good pastures, into the green pastures of life. And we are led by his word. And of course, in the word of God, we have the moral law, and all of those things are perfectly plain. And God's not going to lead us in any way that are against what he has said down in his law. But then you will know that there are many other things in life. We think of how uh, we are the Lord's sheep. And there are many decisions that we need to make in life. Maybe whether to go to college or what college to go to. Who to marry, when, to, whether we will get married and all of these different things. And yes, God has a path for us. But sometimes, well, uh, we, we will not know very clearly what way to go. Now, God is not going to set out that path, and you're going to go this way and that way and the other way, and you're going to take a right turn or a left turn, and this is the specific way that you need to go. When it comes to some of those decisions We need to take what God has said in his word, and then we need to apply common sense to those. It's sort of like a sanctified common sense that we use. Now, as human beings, sometimes we're going to get that wrong. Sometimes we maybe will go on the wrong path or go down the wrong way. But we read in Proverbs 4 and verse 11 how God says, "'I've taught thee in the way of wisdom.'" I have led thee in right paths. Now, what we need to do is go in the paths of wisdom. And we think of the wisdom of God's precious word. And God gives us the precepts and God gives us the principles that we are to follow. And we are to, as it were, apply common sense to what God's word has to say when there are two paths in front of us, maybe two colleges, or um, whether we're going to get married or whatever it is. We need to make sure that we are following the path that God has set for us. And we need to seek the Holy Spirit that he might lead us into the right path and into the good path. But God has a path for us to follow. God will lead us along the path of life if we let the Lord lead us along the path of life. But not only will he lead us along the path of life, he will lead us through the perils of life. Look at verse 10 here. He says, Fear not thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And sometimes along the pathway, we will come across darkness and maybe we'll come across the wilderness experience as the children of Israel did when they were led out, the, uh, out of the land of Egypt and they were led towards the promised land. But the Lord says here, in the midst of the perils, fear thou not, I'm with thee. And there will be perils and there will be difficulties. And it doesn't mean that because we get into difficulties in life and because we go through dark periods or go through even through the valley of the shadow of death, that the Lord is not there with us He says, I am with thee. I am with thee. I will uphold thee with my right hand. And he is there, even in the midst of the perils of life. Not only does he lead us along the path of life and through the perils of life, but he leads us into purpose for our lives. In the end, God will work all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And the direction that God leads is always a blessed direction. Now, many times we might not understand where God is leading. And it may be that we are brought through dark valleys and into places of sickness. And there may be times when we don't know what God is doing. But you know, as we go down the pathway of life, our confidence in God should grow because we could be learn we should be learning by experience that God always leads us into paths of righteousness and paths of goodness. The Lord says, For I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And maybe you're going through a dark day at the present, and maybe you're going through awful. Darkness and situations that you can't understand. But isn't it good today that we have a God who leads us by the right hand, by his right hand, and leads us into paths of blessing? Oh, may we look to him and may we be led by the hand of God and place our hand in his right hand even in these incoming days. We'll just uh, close in a wee word of prayer. We'll we'll sing the hymn, it's hymn 429. It's not the one that's on the board. It's on the one that I've written down here, but it's the hymn 429. But we'll have a wee word of prayer before we come to sing a few verses of the hymn. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we pray that thou wouldst bless and write thy word upon our hearts. Our God, we thank thee that thou dost lead us By thy right hand, though that we might never fear, as our hand are in the hands of our master. Bless thy word to our hearts just now, for Jesus' sake. Amen. The hymn 429, Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go, anywhere he leads me, in this world below. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade, anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid. We'll sing verses 1 and 2 of the hymn and we'll stand as we sing. God and our gracious Father in heaven, we pray that thou wouldst enable us uh, to go in safety with our hands. In thy hand, O God, direct us along the pathway of life and help us to enter into sweet communion with thee. Part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. Be with us throughout this day and bring us again in safety this evening. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Amen.